What's up, DJs? Welcome to another episode of Kaibo Genesis, Trial by Fire. Please make sure you check out our Twitter, at Kaibo Genesis, for all updates pertaining to the show. Now, let's get it started. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Nyan God, and welcome to another episode of Kaibo Genesis, Trial by Fire. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Honeyland, and for the hat. Before I kick that off, with me always from the Kaiba team, I have the Chief Justice of the Underground Citadel himself, Malin Apple, and uh-huh. we have on. <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying, it. And, and on the Honeyland handle, we have Corey. Corey, do you want to introduce yourself and kind of um, explain to everybody what your project's about? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Corey. I'm one of the founders of uh, Honeyland. We are a play and own uh, blockchain game and that will be coming out in Q3 of this year. Um, we've got a really, really cool project. It's really based around where we're trying to come in is um, really set our, our, ourselves apart through both innovation and then a focus on sustainability, which is kind of one of the big knocks that we, well, one of the things that we saw early that cer- certainly started to con- come to surface with a lot of the play to earn games is that there's not a lot of sustainability to them. And, um, and so we're really trying to build a, a, a game ecosystem through Honeyland that players can be a part of for many, many years that can have a really, really healthy economy, um, a really healthy marketplace, a really healthy tokenomic structure. And so we've done a lot of things to really try and innovate and build a game based on the mechanics and the tokenomics focused around sustainability. Um, And then um, let's see, we are part of the project is that we uh, all the, the characters in the game will be bees, there will be lands, there will be items, all of those become NFTs, which is obviously one of the big advantages of Web3 gaming now, is this idea that you can actually have true ownership of items inside the game, that as you're investing your time and investing your energy and investing your money, that you can actually be accumulating assets uh, over time. And so. Um, we have our very first, our Genesis Mint that's going to be coming up on uh, on this Wednesday and Thursday. So the Thursday will be the community sale and the public sale. And so those will be minting, I think, similar to you guys, Genesis eggs that will have some sort of a reveal later on through a hatching machine. The owner of the egg will have some control over which universe they decide to hatch it in and whatnot and when they decide to do that. And so um, there's a little gamification to that. But the Genesis bees will be, um, or the Genesis collection uh, will be limited to 11,000. We'll be minting half of that on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So tomorrow and Thursday. Um, So 5,500 total mints. And um, those will be, again, playable bees inside of Honeyland that will help you own, help you breed, help you grow your colony, um, help you have a lot more fun inside of the game. Um, But we're also treating the Genesis collection as kind of like a a separate collection than the rest of every other Honeyland NFT or item uh, in the game in the sense that there will be some special benefits and values that we're putting into the roadmap that are exclusive to just the Genesis collection. So we'll have its own business team, its own treasury, its own um, everything just for the NFT project outside of Honeyland, although all those NFTs will also have a ton of value inside of Honeyland and playability and all of that stuff too. So um, that's kind of a high level overview, I think, of what we're building. Uh, there's a, a lot of nuance and a lot of other things that, that I could talk about, but for now, uh, it's a play and own game and uh, built on sustainability and innovation and uh, a couple things that we're doing there to, to really make that happen. And then an NFT project that will be a part of the game, but also will be a standalone collection that we'll be minting tomorrow and Thursday of this week. Well, there's a lot there's a lot in there and yeah. let's let's kind of the first thing i kind of want to tackle uh, especially when it comes to like a game is um what would you say is you know the fun part of your game uh, because i think a lot of 
the sustainability part actually has to come with, you know, uh, whether you can grow your player base and whether you actually have the interest from a community in terms of wanting to, you know, be a part of the game and to own some of these assets, you know. So uh, some details about exactly like what the game is about um, in terms of the gameplay would be really helpful, I think. Yeah, so super good question. So there's two parts to Honeyland. The first one is Honeyland, the play and own game. And uh, let me just kind of talk about that in just a second, but I'll talk to you about what kind of the second layer is. We're also building an open developer ecosystem, which means as soon as we launch the game, we're gonna open up our APIs, we'll open up um, all those endpoints, we will build SDKs and launch those to developers, and then we'll incentivize developers to actually build games inside of Honeyland on top of all of our layer one assets. So on top of the items, on top of the, um, the marketplace, on top of the token, on top of the player base that we have. And so, in, you know, when we start to look into the future, if play and own the, the hunt, you know, Honeyland, the play and own game is kind of the front door into the Honeyverse, um, eventually we'll have hundreds, thousands, eventually tens of thousands of different gaming experiences that would be available to any player in the game. And so it creates, you know, it kind of solves that problem of title fatigue where there's one single game that you're coming in and playing and giving you the opportunity to play hundreds or thousands of different gaming um, experiences. And so in that game mall, which will be kind of that open developer ecosystem, we'll build games into a game mall, think of it like kind of an app store. Um, you'll have all sorts of different types of games. You'll have free to play games, you'll have PVP games, PVE games, luck and, and chance based games, skill and agility based games, you know, all those types of things that you'll start to, to, to that, that different developers will build uh, inside of Honeyland. But going back to kind of the, the, the front door, the Honeyland part of the play and own, we're building a game that is not necessarily geared or aimed at your traditional gamer. Um, and so a lot of kind of the the, P, um, the the play to earn games that you're seeing right now are ones that are, um, you know, turn-based attack type games. And they require a lot of just kind of like very um, traditional um, progressions within a game in the similar way that you would in a, in a lot of like what you'd call hardcore gamer games. This one is gonna be a little bit more uh, what we call proof of management. Um, it is a strategy and resource management game where you'll essentially take the role of beekeeper. You will um, own and, and organize and grow and manage a colony of bees. You'll send those bees out on various missions where they're going out and bringing back honey tokens and bringing back NFTs. And so in your colony, you'll have, you know, tens eventually, yeah, you know, or you know maybe a handful of bees, eventually a dozen bees, eventually dozens of bees that you'll be sending out on these various missions. And the goal of the, the uh, beekeeper, the player, is really to do two things, to give yourself the biggest advantage on each mission, meaning that the way that you, the different plots of land that you choose to send these these bees out on missions to, and the way that you strategically organize those missions with bees that have um, similar likes and moods, uh, landforms that match the type of landform that you're going out, all of these which gives you, gives you an advantage on different missions. And so the way that you can kind of organize those different swarms of bees onto these missions, you can collect more honey um, and you can bring them back in a faster amount of time, which means they can then uh, be ready to go out on more missions sooner. And so there's really two things that the player is looking to do. Number one, give yourself the most advantaged missions based on the bees that you have available. And then number two is reduce idle time. So once bees come back from a mission, they bring back NFTs or they bring back honey tokens, there will be a cooldown period. Once that cooldown period is over, the bee will be idle. And once the bee is idle, they'll be ready to go out on other missions. And so the idea is that you don't want bees sitting idle. So you wanna strategically plan and organize missions. And then as bees are coming back and, and getting through that cooldown period, you wanna make sure that you're sending them out on more missions. And so it's this kind of proof of management instead of 
thinking of sitting down for two or four or six hours at a time. Um, it's really about multiple quicker check-ins throughout the day. So five to 15 times a day for five to 15 minutes at a time will allow you to really strategically manage and uh, kind of have that proof of management over your colony and get them out on as many missions as possible. Pretty cool. So it's more like Clash of Clans than it is like uh, Clash of Kingdoms. Very much so. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, if you were going to akin it to any sort of existing game, um, what, what would it be? So <clears throat> Clash of Clans is the one that kind of comes up a lot. Um, I start to think of this again as... Um, you know, the, the play to own is really the, the, the front door into the entire Honeyverse. And so I start to think of eventually where players will spend the majority of their time will be in the game mall. So they'll be actually using the play to own to start to earn tokens and to grow their colony. And then they'll be using that to then take all those assets and play with them and have, um, you know, a lot more experiences and games within the game mall. And so I would say from that sense, it tends to, you know, start to become a little bit more like a Roblox, like a Web3 Roblox, where, you know, you kind of have a bank of tokens that you're able to come and, and come to this game mall and, and be able to um, spend those on different activities or different games or, or, or different experiences uh, within those. And then because it's, you know, because it's got land and, and um, different items within the game as well that are all NFTs, uh, it will open up a lot of opportunities that, that wouldn't exist in kind of a Web2 developer ecosystem. And so we're really excited. We have some ideas, you know, things that we've thought of that could potentially um, that could potentially work and could potentially be really cool types of things that developers could build, experiences, games, activities, those types of things um, that, that would involve NFTs, that could involve existing lands or fees, that would involve building games on top of it. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we think uh, developers will start to do, but developers are, are really, really creative and it'll be cool to see what they start to build inside of Honeyland, given that it has all the Web3 abilities, um, you know, and it will be a, a really cool bridge or transition for a lot of Web2 developers, game developers and studios to come into Web3 development without having to do a lot of the legwork. For sure. And what would be sort of like the reward structure for developers to actually come in and build their game on your platform as opposed to, you know, building on their own? Yeah, so the reward structure would be very similar to like an app store. So it'll be a rev share. So most of the, the, the games that developers will be building will be something that players will have the ability to spend inside of, whether it's free to play or whether it's to unlock different weapons or levels or cars or um, whether it's building items in the app store that would need to be purchased in order to play in their games. Um, you know, there's a number of things that they'll be able to do, but ultimately there'll be revenue generating uh, games for the developers and there will be a, a rev revenue split. So they will keep the majority of it and Honeyland will get a portion of it. And for them, they don't have to worry about building a token and figuring out how to get that, you know, publicly traded and, and all, you know, go through all the steps for that. They don't have to worry about building a marketplace. They don't have to worry about getting a player base. All of that will exist when they're able to build inside of Honeyland. So for us, the, the real goal or the challenge is make Honeyland great as the play to own game so that we can onboard tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, eventually millions of daily active users inside of Honeyland that creates just a huge daily active player base for developers to build games into um, so that they it doesn't really become a choice of do they want to build inside of Honeyland or do they want to take the time and energy to try and build their own economy, their own marketplace, their own token, their own NFTs, um, and then go find a whole bunch of players to attract to that game as well. And so that's really our goal is to nail the first step, which is building a game that's really, really fun that players love to be a part of. And then that second, that game mall is kind of the second act that can actually unlock entirely new experiences and keep players in the game for, for, for much, much longer because there's so many different activities and experiences that, that they can go through. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So you, yeah, definitely, it's it's very similar to Roblox in in terms of how you guys are planning out. You know, bringing in. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like a B two B two C model where you're Correct. taking. Yeah, you're bringing in businesses to bring in more customers, and then providing services for your customers. But at the same time, you're building your own standalone game, which will allow people to actually farm the tokens that will be, I'm guessing, also be used by the developers. Right? It's all the same token. Exactly, 100%. So all, all of it's built on a single token system. And so when we look at kind of that, when we when we kind of zoom out from everything, where Honeyland is kind of the, like I said, the front door. It's the thing that most people know about. It's what our gameplay trailer is about. It's what our community is about. It's what is the biggest thing is we're pitching the project. But because it's the thing that's probably the most known and the most um, easy to kind of understand. But we see we're building a gamified dex within Honeyland, so you'll be able to swap and stake and farm tokens um, to, to as you're earning tokens in the game to kind of use some of those DeFi components. We have the open developer ecosystem, the way that we're building the the Genesis NFT collection, where we're investing a whole bunch of energy and resources into building that as a real legitimate NFT project that's standalone outside of just Honeyland. We see all of these as being on ramps into Honeyland, and so as developers are building games they're going to go bring their audience and, and do kind of their own push to bring players into Honeyland to play their games. As we have people who are just in maybe the Solana NFT market and they all of a sudden see Honeyland as this NFT that is a really cool NFT project in the likes of a lot of these other kind of brand or marketing NFTs that are providing value in, in different ways. And then there's also a game that has a play and own aspect with a real token that can be, you know, with 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 a real currency exchange behind it and whatnot um, and real value to that inside of the game. We see that as a big on-ramp for a lot of people who may be more in the NFT market than the GameFi market. We see, you know, so we see all of these as being kind of on-ramps into Honeyland that give us a much bigger opportunity to grow that audience quicker because there's a number of different things that can actually get you interested in in Honeyland or kind of be your first point of exposure to Honeyland and then bringing players in. So we're really excited about that. And, and um, you know, like I said, we're not going after a traditional gamer. Like that's not our, our, our sole focus where a lot of these play and own or, or play to earn projects are very much built from a gamer perspective. We're much more looking for kind of crypto curious people who are in the Web3 world um, more broadly than just the, the gaming world. Um, of course, we would love for gamers to come over and experience this and love it as well. And we're building it to be really, really fun for for uh, just about anybody. But, um, you know, and, and hopefully that game mall gives us the ability to create a number of different opportunities. So if you really are a hardcore gamer that there's very similar gaming experiences or games that would be built inside of Honeyland in that game mall, even if the play to own is not your traditional, um, you know, sit down for four hours and, and um, you know, uh, whatever your type of game is, that, that it's not that type of, of game necessarily, uh, but hopefully we'll have those gaming experiences for everybody. What What is your guys' timeline for um, everything to develop from like the initial um, Honeyland game to that um, where the third party developers come on and then that mall index kind of goes live yeah so the um the game the honeyland the plain own game as well as the gamified decks will both be live in q3 um we'll we'll launch an alpha first which will be a limited release just to get a lot of testing there's so many parts of the economy that we need to make sure we get right before we take it main scale so that'll allow us to make some small pivots if we need to where we see that there's kind of miscalculations or advantages that are being taken place in the game. Um, I should mention, we are also going through the Machinations Verified program. Um, they're a third party that basically runs hundreds of thousands of simulations for just about every single game loop, player loop, player persona that you could possibly imagine. 
and kind of find out early on where maybe more players are spending their time because there's an advantage in certain way, the way that the game mechanics or tokenomics are written. And so we'll have the ability to start to, through predictive learning, to start to figure out where we're really, really sound or where we need to price things differently or, or advantage players differently um, heading into the game. We'll then have an alpha in Q3 that will include our gamified decks. Uh, and then by the end of the year, we expect to have all of our core missions, um, all of the features of the gamified decks. Uh, and we expect to have the open developer ecosystem live with uh, dozens of games in the game mall already. And we'll be running some developer incentive programs and contests to really incentive, uh, incentivize developers to start to build in and start to build out that game mall early on. Um, and so we'll have all of that will be live already. By the end of this year, we expect to, to really have everything that I've outlined here today live and, and fully functioning. And then of course, over the next year, over 2023, we'll really continue to expand and grow that open developer ecosystem and that game mall to, to build just you know dozens, hundreds, thousands of more experiences in Nantiland. So in your opinion, um, do you think Solana is the right blockchain to build your game? Uh, like, for example, you know, everything to do with the transaction speeds, for sure, is going to be a concern. And number two is like, um, if you're going to create like a layer two solution or some sort of layer 1.5 solution to conduct all your transactions, then um, like who's on your team who can make sure that the security aspect is on point? Yeah, so I think Solana is the right uh, blockchain for a couple of reasons. Um, of course, let's just go to like the promise of Solana as opposed to what we're actually seeing over the last really four to five months. The promise of Solana is that the TPS is higher than just about any other blockchain. It would certainly be um, a, 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 there enough throughput that it can really support a game um, like ours, even with um, tons of blockchain transactions actually taking place. Every time there's anything, you know, it's not entire, the game is not entirely 100% decentralized, but every component that deals with any sort of player interaction or any sort of um, monetary tr transaction or anything that has a monetary impact um, in terms of the tokens or the NFTs that can be earned or sold or bought uh, or risked in the game um, will be done on the blockchain so that that's all 100% verifiable. So there'll be a lot of blockchain transactions the cost and speed of Solana were really two things that brought us there. The cost has remained the same. It's really, really low cost. It makes it great for us. Um, the speed certainly has had struggles and issues because of kind of the centralized nature of the blockchain. And um, if we can fast forward and say, hopefully we'd be leaving the team over there. Um, we, we've had quite a bit of conversations with them. They're uh, investors and backers in our project. Um, we get to use them as advisors on the project as well. Um, and so we kind of have a lot of communication and conversations going on with them. And they're relatively confident <laughs> that they'll be able to figure these things out. But it is weird going into mint day and you know, we just keep saying like, hopefully the Solana gods treat us right, right? Like hopefully that people can mint on our mint day because there's not issues with the with the network and and people you know kind of the stability of the network and so if fast forward if they can figure all that stuff out yeah i think it's really the right network i think that there's um i think you're going to see a lot of games that are continuing to be built on solana you're already seeing it i think kind of as a second marketplace to ethereum or competitor to ethereum in terms of the nft space i think they're uh, they've shown themselves the entire solana community as a legitimate um, community for NFTs, with that being a big part of our project and one of the on-ramps that we want to build. I just don't think it would be as easy to build really a blue chip NFT project on like an Avalanche network or a Phantom network or some of those, those others that we had kind of considered, you know, as we were looking at layer two EVM networks. And so um, I think Solana is the right network, uh, but they certainly have issues and, um, you know, things that we would love for them to get figured out to give us more confidence that, um, that network issues won't continue to be a thing um, of the future. 
Yeah, I always like to say that Solana has a great culture,、um, but then the technology side of things needs some work. <laughs> yeah, well, and let's when everybody gets into Solana, it's it's always the technology first. <laughs> well, and let's let's consider the age of Solana as well, and and for the the number of Rust developers out there with you know let's call it twelve months experience is probably in the hundreds, not the thousands,、um, maybe in the thousands, but it's certainly not in the tens of thousands.、Um, And so I think、um, you know once you start to give more developers time to see that Solana is a real network and to go learn Rust,、um, I think we're going to start to see tens of thousands of developers who are trained and experienced in Rust when we fast forward 18 or 24 months from now, and then that starts to change the the velocity at which technology can really advance when you have developers sitting behind it. So I think that's a little bit of what they're handcuffed by right now is that. It's just such a new technology that,、um, with an, a new language that you know is being built essentially for、um, for this you know Web three community and and, and、um, you know on、um, uh, on Solana and so you know I I think that、um, once we once we double triple quadruple the number of Rust developers but if you see every project right now you know is just looking for Rust developers who has Rust developers who has Rust developers and so getting Rust great Rust developers is kind of one of the biggest assets that you can have. Um, we've got a team of 32 full-time developers.、Uh, not all of them are、uh, natively trained in, in Rust, but have、um, learned Rust through the project. And then we have a couple that are、um, that are native in Rust, and then a couple, you know, that are on the Unity side of things. Some artists,、um, some some front-end developers, and so all of that,、um, you know, starts to work in our favor. I think we've got a really really talented team. But the more Rust developers that we can just bring into the the global ecosystem, I think the velocity of of just kind of the technology will continue to improve. But you're absolutely right. It's it's certainly one of those things that. Um, I think was more of a promise than a reality when we made the decision back in November that Solana was it. We didn't see a lot of these these kind of issues with the the network outages and and and、um, you know just just issues. And so those have all kind of happened after we made the decision.、Um, and and I really do hope that they get figured out. And then I think on the technology side, we just need more time. And and a lot of developers are moving into Rust right now. They see it as a huge opportunity. I think it's put itself on the map, and we just need to get more Rust developers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even on our team, we have so many interns、uh, that we don't. You know, we're trying to raise the next generation of Rust developers, but we're always looking for senior Rust developers because those are like trying to find a needle in a haystack sometimes.、Um, in terms of you know、uh, building out these technologies, it seems like you have the team to actually build it.、Uh, who on your team has actually built an NFT project on Solana and? Um, like, have they done more DeFi stuff? Like, wh- where, where have you guys basically found、uh, the members of your team? Yeah, so the members of our team from the development side, we basically our CTO Apoorv、um, want have this vision of building a Web three project and、um, kind of this this loosely defined vision of what it would be.、Um, he went in search of. Find- Oh, did we lose him? Hello. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. I think I got. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. So、uh, our CTO Apoorv wanted to put together this studio and、um, or had this vision of kind of building a Web3 gaming project, and so he had.、Um, Went in search of building, a, finding a studio to purchase, and and had found a group of these twelve 
developers that had worked on projects together. They weren't formally at a studio. They were kind of freelance and basically built a studio team out of them as our original 12 developers. They had built some really, really successful mobile Web2 games that were wildly popular. I mean, tens of millions of downloads um, on multiple different titles. And so they've been a really successful team of putting together games. Um, and then we brought in, as the project started to develop, we realized that NFTs really needed to be a part of this and more than just kind of what Axie did with NFTs where they're, they're really just a, a part of the game. We really wanted this to be like an NFT project as well, something that could stand outside of the game, but also had utility inside of the game. Um, and that came a little bit more from uh, some of the other team members, some of our core team members, who we all and ourselves are Solana uh, NFT degens to some extent and, and uh, believe in the, the, the ecosystem, the community. And so we've been able to kind of architect that using the development power of our team. And then Fractal as our, as our NFT partner uh, and Launchpad has been a really, really um, great what I'll call advisor on the on the project as well. And so just getting a lot of the logistics to making sure that all the smart contract is safe and how we can do kind of the things that we want to be able to do with our whitelist and our golden platinum passes and how all that stuff's going to you know interact with, with the audience. We've got some really, really cool, I talked about kind of innovation and sustainability is really our two focuses. We've got some things that we want to do innovation wise on our future mints that we're already talking to Fractal about. Um, and so we're using them a lot for kind of the the technical infrastructure, using our team a lot for kind of the, the direction of our core team who are all Solana NFT project, um, you know, participants and community members ourselves in terms of how we want to build the direction and what we want to see out of an NFT project. And then using the gaming studio, um, the, our, our gaming studio, what I would call for all the artwork and the actual um, kind of the development of the actual NFTs and, and how all that's working and then how it's going to interact with the game. So it's a big combination of every, everything in terms of um, what that looks like. But going back to the original question, there's none of us who have launched an NFT project um, that I'm aware of. I'm, there there might have been kind of some, you know, somebody, people who launched small projects or things like that, but nobody who's um, come from a successful NFT project um, who's part of the actual development of it. Yeah, but we've only been in this space for a little bit of time. So, I mean, we welcome all of you guys and hope that you guys enjoy your stay and uh, hope that we can build together and uh, form communities together. And I, I think that uh, what you guys are building is really cool. Now, you talked a lot about sustainability. And uh, when we're talking about sustainability in these sort of play to earn, play to own games, um, I, I did touch a little bit about, uh, I mean, you, you touched a little bit previously on like why people might want to own their uh, assets, in-game assets, but um, could you speak a little bit more about, you know, exactly what your philosophy behind um, how you envision this to be sustainable? Uh, because usually when we're talking about game economies, then there's a, there's a point at which the people stop coming in. And at that point, you know, what do you do? Yeah. And so um, this is where we see, you know, nobody's built the project the way that we've built it. That, that I'm aware of yet, right? A project that has a play and own component, a gamified DAX component, and then an open developer ecosystem. Let's set the NFT project apart because uh, yeah, that that's not necessarily a, a huge part of the sustainability of kind of the GameFi project. Um, nobody's built those three things together. And uh, usually that means one of two things. It either means that you're onto something new and innovative that can really be a first mover in the space, or you realize that there's a reason it's never been done before. And uh, and uh, I, you know, we've really tried to run this through just a ton of people and advisors and, and other projects. And, um, you know, we think that it is most likely the first that it's never been done before, um, which gives us the ability to be kind of a first mover in the space. And if we can execute on this well, 
um, you know, the App Store is never going to have to worry that the Apple App Store is never going to have to worry because they have enough users on Apple and on, on iPhones that developers want to build into there. And users, uh, you don't have to worry about them coming back because you can find every single app that you want inside of the App Store. And so at some point, I'm not calling us the Apple Store, but I'm saying at some point we do see a vision where we can kind of handle both of those things, where we have enough daily active users in the space that we continue to grow and we continue to add users because of a healthy economy, because of great game, uh, fun games that are fun to play, because of what we're able to build that makes it more of a social experience than just a gaming experience. The way that we're able to create a number of different types of players in the ecosystem. So you can be an owner, you can be a renter, you can be um, a player, you can be a number of different things to kind of participate in the uh, ecosystem. Um, and so we see that as being a way that gives us a lot of kind of um, the ability to, to create sustainability. And then from the player side, if we have all the developers or we have a ton of talented developers and studios building inside of Honeyland, they can find every gaming experience or um, um, opportunity they want. And if we can do all of that around a really, really healthy token so that players, as they're earning assets inside of Honeyland, they don't feel like it's just, they're not just trying to figure out when they could time the market so that they're not left holding the bag, but we can really build a token that's based on fundamentally sound tokenomics and fundamentally sound game mechanics that we should be able to have the opportunity to create a much more sustainable environment. Now, if, you know, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I knew exactly where we'd be 10 years from now, but I really do think that we've got a, a, a very clear roadmap on where we want to be three years from now when a lot of the, um, what I'll say, kind of um, the, the player reward tokens that are allocated right now um, have basically a three-year roadmap. Now, we will continue to, to add to that player reward um, treasury over over those three years as well with a lot of the game mechanics that we have. Um, but we have a really, really crystal clear plan for 36 months of how those tokens will be allocated into the ecosystem and what needs to happen in terms of player growth and um, and um, daily active users um, to, in order to make that really happen. And then a velocity of that currency within the ecosystem. And so you can't just dump 350 million tokens into player rewards and have them never move anywhere and create a sustainable economy. And so uh, from the game mechanics side, it's about creating enough sinks that are basically reasons that players want to spend tokens in the game to increase or enhance their experience. And so if we can create enough sinks in the game that are really, really fun and enhance the experience of the player, we can create this currency velocity inside of the game that creates a lot more sustainability as well. And so we're really approaching it from the game mechanic side, the game tokenomic side, and then just kind of the, the, the larger blueprint side, which says, great, we have um, a number of projects that will create a lot more experiences for a player over the long run, well beyond the three years of what the kind of initial play to own roadmap looks like. So, yeah, and I think those token sinks are definitely going to be important. Like if you look at game economies like uh, World of Warcraft and even like RuneScape or even Diablo, like the, the big token sinks, so to speak, would be like those items or those weapons or the armors or the gears that help enhance your actual experience. Now in Honeyland, where, what do you see as being those token sinks as you envision it right now? Yeah, so there's there will be a number of sinks inside of our actual play to own game uh, within Honeyland. So um, ways to kind of um, build infusion and ascension into your actual NFTs, um, ways that you can cosmetically upgrade either your hive or your bees, um, ways that you can enhance your game experience by like speeding up your cooldown times, um, breeding comes with sinks. So there's a number of uh, different activities like that within the game that will create some of these sinks. Um, there's also 
kind of some unlocks for having a certain number of tokens staked, which uh, becomes not necessarily a sync, but becomes another mechanic that's used to create a stability of the token. Um, so it, while it doesn't increase the velocity, it decreases the, the, the circulating supply, which increases the, the token. And so we're looking at it from both ends um, of that, but we see the biggest sync as being that, that open developer ecosystem. So the only reason that developers will build into the economy or into basically Honeyland is so that they can earn uh, money and, and so um, what however they're building those games like I said whether it's PvP and they're taking a percentage of all transactions whether it's um, or, or you know um, tokens risked or, or staked or or, um, or spent within a or circulated within a game whether it's a, a free-to-play where players are spending to unlock levels or items or um, um, you know different experiences within the game uh, whether it's allowing them to build nfts into the marketplace that would be items that could be used inside of their games um, whether it's ways that we can start to build activities on top of lands that would again unlock different experiences for players inside of honeyland or inside of those other games but we see that the outside developers will come in and build um, experiences that will create significant sinks within the game so that open developer ecosystem becomes not only a way to onboard a, a whole bunch of new players into the space as developers are building and bringing their audience it not only creates a whole bunch of additional experiences for the players so that they can um, not have this kind of title fatigue or, or this single game fatigue where they can have unlimited experiences and it also creates uh, a massive sync within the entire ecosystem um, and continues to grow more and more syncs every single time a new game is added so that players as they're spending more time are finding ways to, to um, circulate their money a lot more quickly and so you know that's where we see that open developer ecosystem being a huge part of the success but it all starts with building a really really kick-ass play to own game that players want to be a part of and are incentivized properly with the rewards and that we can onboard enough players that the health of the economy continues to to, to rise as more and more players are coming into the ecosystem yeah when i when i think about you know sustainability within a tokenomic structure i always think of um, how do we get this currency to be used as like a medium of exchange rather than as a, a way for people to actually earn, you know, something from the game? Um, have you guys put any thought into, you know, integrating your token into other ecosystems or are you really trying to just create your own ecosystem? And if you're doing that, then uh, just by building these token things, do you think it is really sustainable or will you have to incorporate these into other facets of life where people can, you know, continue to use their tokens and circulate their tokens without actually needing to ever exit in terms of liquidity. Yeah, so uh, there's kind of three parts to that, all really good points. The first one uh, that you had talked about is really where the shift from play to earn to play to own came in, where we want players to understand that they're going to get more value out of their time and money invested in the Honeyland by leaving those assets inside of the ecosystem than they are by extracting them out of the ecosystem. And so it's not just about trying to earn so that you can pull out of the ecosystem, but it's about figuring out ways that you can earn so that you can invest it back into the ecosystem, either through other experiences or through growing your colony or through breeding. Um, so whatever that looks like, that's kind of that play to own men or play and own mentality that we're looking at as opposed to the play to earn. Um, in terms of finding other ways to use the Honey Token, absolutely. And so, you know, I think looking at kind of a roadmap of what um, D-Gods has done with Dust is a really brilliant roadmap to kind of look at and figure out how can you use this as something that you can purchase apparel in our store? How can you use this so that you can go spend it on auctions on, um, you know, Famous Fox's raffle site? How can you use uh, Dust to, or, you know, Dust in their, in their case, to go mint other NFTs through some of the, the NFT marketplaces? And so Dust has become kind of a much broader currency within the Solana ecosystem because of the way that they built that. And so uh, 
that would absolutely be one of the things that we'd be looking to do. Again, I talk about kind of the velocity of how that um, how that token moves around is really, really important. And then creating um, burn mechanics as well, which a lot of that uh, gives you the ability to create burn mechanics. And so I talked about some of the things that we're doing for our Genesis Collection NFT project. Um, you know, without giving too much away, part of that is going to be the fact that we're builders. And that's one of the things that this gives us the ability to do is go build really, really cool things. And people inside of the Genesis community will probably get to take advantage of those as a as an NFT holder. And people outside of the Genesis community will most likely be able to participate in some of those uh, some of those tools or experiences or whatever it looks like through through Honey. And so we can when it's when we're building both of those things, when we're building um, you know, things for our Genesis community. And we've also built the, the token, uh, the honey token, we can really easily and seamlessly connect those two things. So yeah, we'll absolutely be looking for ways outside of Honeyland, just the plain owned game and the, the game mall and the gamified decks that, that players can own that currency and spend it on other things outside of the game. And then um, the third question, I'm trying to think there was a lot, there was a, a kind of a, a last question that I talked too long. Sorry. Uh, but, it was like, but yeah, uh, like it was regarding like the the economy that you guys are building. Like, will you be expanding it to other facets of life? And I guess when you talked about apparel and you know the merch and the marketplace that you guys are building, that sort of answered that question as well. Cool. Yeah. So so absolutely, we have much bigger bigger ideas, and and we certainly want to innovate in this space, right? We want to figure out ways that we can take a token that we're building and an economy and a player base, and uh, you know people who are owning these assets and give them different and new ways for it to add value to their lives, um, you know, both inside of and outside of Honeyland. For sure. Nice. Um, and, um, oh, yeah, have you guys had any developers reach out to you in trying to develop on Honeyland using the, the APIs, SDKs that you guys are planning to launch? Yeah, so, so not yet. Uh, they're not available. Um, we've had the question from a couple different people, developers, circles, types of things, but um, it hasn't really gone too far. So I'm a big believer in looking at our project. There are There is so much to build and so much going on. And um, it's it, it's really about staying as focused as we can and figuring out what the next most important thing is without neglecting a timeline that would something would need to be done now for for a future launch. And so um, right now, I just know that you know if working backwards from a really successful develop, open developer ecosystem like that we have thousands of developers building inside of Honeyland, it means that we need to nail our play and own game. We need to have a really healthy uh, a token and economy and all that. And the best chance of doing that is by having a really strong token launch and the token launch is aided by a really strong NFT launch. And so we're just kind of working backwards from like, how do we build this huge grand vision? And it all starts with really the, the first time that we allow our community to start to actually invest in our project, which is um, it, it, tomorrow and, and Thursday through our NFT Mint. And so we're really, really laser focused on, on nailing that, um, minting out as quickly as possible. We'll go live on YouTube as soon as we, or one hour after we mint out, we'll go live on YouTube. I've got a full presentation of our roadmap that we're gonna unveil and what you actually just bought into as a Genesis collection holder. Um, and so that will be really, really cool. Hopefully that signals a really strong launch. We've got, as you know, I think you wanted to, to, to talk about this, uh, but the paper hands bitch insurance, um, I'll, I'll let you ask about it yes, whenever you want. But, <laughs> no. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of tease it there and let you get, the, get there, but it uh, gives us the ability to really execute over a period of time 
which should lead right into our IDO for our, with our token launch, which that will become a major, major focus um, at the end of this week. Once we get through the NFT launch, we get a lot of those things in motion, then we'll really shift to a successful token launch, then a successful game launch. And then once we launch the game, that's when the APIs and the SDK will be available for developers. And Q4 of this year, that's where the majority of, uh, of uh, kind of my focus as the CEO, where I'm kind of picking projects that are the most important thing at the time. And that's where I'm expending most of my energy towards. Um, Q4, most of my energy will be towards making sure that we build out all of the final features and, and, um, and missions for our for Honeyland to play in a play and own game. And then also making sure that we're really kicking off that open developer ecosystem in a really strong way. And we'll have some programs and incentives and, and I'll give a lot more thought into how we can actually, um, what we want to do to creatively and innovative and innovate in the ways that we can actually attract developers. I promise we won't just do it in a, um, here's 10,000 bucks to the best game. Uh, it's not going to be like that. We'll do something really, really creative and innovative to go out and find top-notch developers to help build alongside them, to help give them the assets that they need to, to build really, really cool um, games and experiences inside of Honeyland um, and to incentivize them appropriately. And so we'll find out some cool things that we can do when we get there. But, um, you know, for now, it's kind of, it, it's not, it's not the major focus right now, although it is probably the most important thing to the success of Honeyland. Um, but all these other things are more successful to, to, or are more important right now to make sure that we have the opportunity to really nail the open developer ecosystem. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to get to the point, like, I did want to ask about the insurance and because <laughs> I, I think that's pretty cool. It's almost like, you, you know, your team is doubling down, but I was going to say, like, in terms of the YouTube videos and kind of your team is very transparent about being docs and compared to, you know, other projects. And you kind of, you kind of said earlier, being the first doesn't mean you're going to be successful, but, you know, it could go both ways, right? It could, it could mean you hit gold and you struck it and you guys are gonna be the leading force or you might strike out and whiff and being doxxed and possibly having that happen, it's a risk, right? It's a risk to take. What made you guys choose being open and transparent about who you guys are compared to maybe just like, hey, this is our first project. I don't really wanna fully you know, get my name out there just in case it doesn't go as planned. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, if Honeyland let's just take it to its worst logical thing if honeyland failed and 12 months from now uh, i'm on this with you guys under a new project i would think it would be because i was doxxed not because i wasn't doxxed and um you know the the reason that you wouldn't dox is not because you're afraid of failure it's because um you're afraid of uh misintentions or you know um <laughs> i don't know i i think there's two types of rugs right there's an intentional rug where people just want to kind of get some money in and, and get the heck out of there. And then there's a rug where people just couldn't execute on something or they missed, they didn't have the product market fit that they thought they may have. Um, I'm a builder, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've launched over a dozen different businesses in my life. Uh, many of those have been successful. Many of those have not been successful. Um, it doesn't mean that the unsuccessful businesses were a black mark on my record. In fact, I think that they were something that helped to fuel every next business that I was able to build um, and, and walk me right into the really, really successful ones. And so um, I don't see being doxxed to this prog project as a risk. Um, I, I, I also look at, you know, the, the four, the core founders. Um, we all have had, we're all builders. Like it's it's clear. We're not 22 year olds who, uh, no no offense to anybody in their age, but we've, I've been doing this for 20 years, building businesses. I know how to run teams. I know how to run projects. 
projects. I know how to execute, uh, how to lay out a real uh, vision and a roadmap and how to execute against it. Um, what we're not good at because we've been building for 20 years is we're not good at hype. And what I've realized is that Web3 is all about building hype and then figuring out what you're gonna uh, build after that. And Web2 is all about building a really cool product. And once that actually catches on, then the hype starts to follow. And so we're we're at a point, we're at a disadvantage in that we're not good hype builders. We don't have 200,000 followers in our Discord because we don't we don't know how to build that type of hype. Um, but what we do know how to build is actual products. And so um, if, if everything went south, the uh, this would I, I couldn't imagine this being a black mark on any of the core team because all it would mean is not that we didn't know how to execute. It would mean that we just didn't do the right market research to figure out if there was a product market fit or that uh, maybe there was some mis some mistake that took place that was an honest mistake that you couldn't count on happening again. And so, um, the, you know, there's been little things along the way that's happened, but I think being docs is a huge part of the strength of our project um, that people don't have to worry about a rug in this situation. The only thing that they need to figure out is, are, are we a team that, do we have the right roadmap and can we execute against it? And I think our track record really starts to show that we can execute against a, a roadmap that we have. And so it just becomes about, do you believe in our roadmap? And if you believe in our roadmap, then we should be a pretty strong team to, to, to feel like you're, you're supporting. And I think that's what we're gonna see right now is that the strongest teams, forget about the projects, the strongest teams are the ones that people are gonna be betting on. And um, I, you know, and just knowing that they'll kind of create the roadmap if they know how to execute. And um, that's what most of the conversation is behind the rugs and behind some of these huge projects that had massive hype at the beginning without really a roadmap. They're kind of a marketing play more than anything else. And kudos to them that it's a different type of builder um, but I think if you want kind of that long-term builder, hype is very short-term, vision is long-term. And I think that if you can see the vision that we have and our ability to build and how we're in this for the long run, uh, by being doxxed, I think it gives people a lot more confidence in, in our project. And I think in the long run, those are the types of projects that will end up winning. Yeah, and it's, it's really, I want to say sad in a sense, but even doing these spaces now, but kind of seen it before, like these teams that are actual builders who are doing this to like create and innovate new things for Web3 are really not getting the recognition or the type of members that, you know, these bigger hyped communities that, you know, are just blowing up out of nowhere. And, you know, the team's not docs. They don't even have a roadmap, right? They give you a, a what, an orange wristband for yeah. 40 soul. And, it, and then talking to these other teams that are actually building who have years of experience behind them. But unfortunately, you know, builders... I don't know, maybe it's just a common thing because Mel and Apple kind of has it, but they're just not marketers. They're just builders, you know, and, and it's kind of the, the two got to marry together at some point. And it seems like Touché. the builders are having that struggle on creating that market or that marketing hype. Touché, sir. Um, I mean, I, I sort of see the NFT space a little bit like uh, the dot-com uh, bubble when it was at its peak. You know, you had a lot of these projects that come in and try to extract liquidity from the space and th they just build websites i mean people came in and they wanted to a website and they they were like okay well what do you need the website for well it doesn't matter you just want a website <laughs> and then everybody gets a website uh without having any real use for it and uh you know at the end of it you know you know what happened so i feel like we are a little bit in that space but at the end of the dot-com bubble the people who actually built something became the facebook's and the amazon's and the google's of the web 2 industry yeah and I, I think there is something to to what you're saying too about um 
builders need to become better marketers and marketers need to become better builders because when you look at the, the Googles and the Apples and the Amazons, they were both great marketers and builders. And so um, I don't think building enough is, is going gonna, is gonna to set you out or set you apart. But I will say that there's a lot of projects that have been launched, um, you know, six to eight to 12 months ago in the Solana space that just kept building. And they're now starting to get a lot of that recognition. And these blue chip projects that may seem like they came up overnight have just been grinding and building the Catalina whale mixer. And now all of a sudden, you know, they've got some, some really, they're getting a ton of hype, but they've, they've been the same team for the last nine months. They just haven't had all the hype until bubble goose until they realize, you know, they're launching a media brand. And, and so all this stuff starts to come out, the D gods, the, the famous Fox Federation, who's been building just for, for cranking away for 10 months, just building, 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 building. And they're all of a sudden now starting to experience it. And so I think, it's yet to be seen where OK Bears goes and where Trippin' Apes goes and where Great Goats goes and where Just Ape goes and all these 200,000 plus Discord followers with all the whitelist frenzy pre-mint with no real roadmap and just a really strong marketing team, not not docs teams, nothing. They just have kind of a roadmap of some things that, um, or, or no roadmap. Um, and you're just kind of betting on the hype, not betting on any sort of a real vision. I don't know that in the long, we'll see, we'll see in the long run if it's the D gods and the famous Fox and the Catalina whale mixer and the Solana monkey business, these team, these, these projects that are, have just been building for the last 10 and 12 months. We'll see if those are the ones that win or if it's the okay bears and the trip and apes and these ones that who knows what the roadmap is. My guess is if trip and apes and if okay bears and if any of them have real builders on their team, um, that's kind of what I'm saying. If you can combine the hype, with the builders, those are going to be the projects that certainly have a great chance of winning. Um, but if you just give me one, I'll take builders over hype men every single day. Yeah, I really hope the builders win. I, I tweeted that the other, like two weeks ago. I, if the builders don't win this battle, it, I don't know if the space will kind of fade away. But it, it, I kind of see it as like today's hip hop. It's like it's just gonna. Builders uh, will win. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't. You don't have to worry about that. Builders <laughs> will win. Um, yeah. Absolutely, 100% builders will win. Just probably the builders who also have some marketing savvy behind them are the ones who are going to figure this out too. Because we do need to, to gamify this. We do need to, um, you know, building uh, in a boring way um, isn't that exciting for a community. Um, but just putting hype with nothing behind it is is never fun in the long run when you feel like you've just been um, you've been a, you, you've kind of been had and so i i think it, yeah. it, you, we do need both and we're going to need to find ways to be become great marketers um or just launch the best best in the world products because that always wins too and so yeah. um you know in communities and, and projects and everything so but builders will win in the long run for sure i i even did a little social experiment on our kyobo page the other day i because i see you know those those shit posts all the time react first whatever so i was like screw it i'm gonna say first 999 react and that got the most interaction than any other twitter post we ever put put out i was like oh god i love people yeah but, but we, we have to we can't measure we can't measure success in terms of just engagements like in terms of those true, like true likes we have to um we have to measure success in terms of the depth of the engagement. Like who's going to, who's going to invest in your project and hold their term. Those are the people that you need behind you. And so I think building a community the right way is always the one that, again, I go back to vision versus hype and hype can create a lot of buzz that people want to be a part of it immediately. But as soon as something goes wrong, they're out and that creates, you know, a really unhealthy community. Um, but if you find people who believe in your vision, 
They're not looking for you to just execute on something in the next 24 hours or 48 hours. They're not constantly watching the floor price because they believe in the vision of the project. And you know, I, I think that that's ultimately, you know, when we were when we were doing whitelist, we did we did it different than than most projects I've ever seen, in that we wanted to find a way that it wasn't just about grinders, it wasn't just about people who wanted whitelist to go turn around and sell them on the the famous Fox Exchange token exchange. We wanted people who really wanted whitelist because they wanted to mint our project and they wanted to hold it because they believed in something special that we were building. And so even when we were doing like community collaborations, we required anybody who wanted to enter the whitelist raffle for that community if we were giving away five or ten spots. That they had to take a quiz that they could demonstrate knowledge about our project before they ever came into our community. And because of this, we saw a community that we grew that wasn't necessarily the biggest community. I mean, we're not tiny, but we're at you know 14,000 or something uh, in our Discord. But we see a pretty engaged community. Um, and, and we'll see tomorrow and we'll see Thursday how many of those turn up. Um, but I think that the, the intent that we have behind each one of our community members is greater than a lot of the intent of people who have projects twice or three times or five times our size because we haven't just focused on how many likes or retweets did we get it was how important was that like or that we retweet because the person was doing it because they believe in our project not because they thought that they had something to gain from it and so um you know i, I wouldn't always measure it that way but i think you're right it is uh certainly a um it's a it's a trap to the to to a web3 project is that it can it's really easy to um you know, to get a thousand likes the wrong way on a tweet. Uh, and sometimes I'd rather just have 30 of the right ones. So that's very true. You want the, uh, the honest or not honest, but the, like the organic growth, those, those individuals who, who really buy into your project. Really yeah. Like and unfortunately there, there's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because if you only have a thousand Twitter followers, people don't think that you're legitimate. Yeah. They don't take the time to learn about you. Right. And so you've got to get to some certain level of kind of like, um, uh, or you can kind of like tipping point. Um, and at that point it becomes, um, you know, a lot easier to, to get the attention of people. And then uh, again, I think mechanically, it's just about making sure that you're incentivizing the right things um, and rewarding the right things within your community. And if you do it that way, as opposed to just rewarding who, who can uh, basically tag three fake Twitter friends, uh, you know, cause they have four Twitter accounts so they can t tag all three of those fake accounts so that they can get a whitelist spot. Um, those aren't the things that we ever really tried to incentivize. Yeah, and I, for I, sure, man. Having the right sort of engagement is is a hundred percent the way to go because you even see these days like projects with a hundred thousand Twitter followers are actually struggling to mint out, and then later on, I'm not going to mention any projects directly, but um, when it comes to you know projects that do mint out, it's because they have built like a following, even if it's not you know one that's built on like a solid roadmap or some sort of utility that they're providing but they just build the right kind of engagement and the right kind of, uh, I guess, audience for their for their market. And, you know, a, a lot of what NFTs are is marketing. And a lot of the ways that you re generate revenue is by translating that marketing into secondary sales, right? That's just the way that NFT projects are kind of built. And that's the, a lot of the ways that the operational car costs of the these projects are actually sustained. So when it comes to marketing, it's definitely important. and. Uh, worst case comes to worst. Uh, I mean, for you and me, it's probably easier to pitch to a VC firm than it is to pitch to the public. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's another, there's always another option, you know. And uh, ultimately, if we build what we want to build, hopefully people can see that and then um, they can kind of join even later down the line, even if they don't, they aren't the ones to uh, enter the project immediately. Yeah, we, we actually did that too. And so, you know, we, we really wanted to leverage our skills and, and, 
our network and, and everything that we kind of knew, uh, Botic on our team lives in Puerto Rico. There's a lot of people who are interested in, in this space. And so we went out and we, we raised over $2 million, um, which really helps us out in the space. It gives us that runway that we need to build and build in the right way. Again, we're not like just trying, we're not trying to mint a project so that we can, uh, you know, rug out our way out of here. Like we have, we have real investors behind our project and that's where really our name, um, you know, you talk about being fully doxxed. Um, you know, these were people that because we've been doxxed and because of our track record of our other projects, whatever it was that we wanted to, that we're getting into next, they, they want to be behind. And so, um, it's nice to have that kind of network, but yeah, we, we definitely realized that like, Hey, you know, what we are good at, we are good at kind of that web two, that traditional way of building and, and growing. And, and, um, if we can put out a, a, a really clear vision for what we want and get some people who want to invest in the project to, to back it, then I think it can be something really, really special to give us runway and to allow us to build the right way, as opposed to constantly building, um, through cutting corners or shortcuts or, um, you know, doing it um mints where the mint price was not based on the market or um you know the market demands it was based on how much we needed to to to, to, to fund the project and um or how much we wanted to walk away with or um and so i think that we have you know the right incentives but yeah we 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 are definitely more comfortable uh pitching vcs and so we went out and and did it and we did more web3 partners and, and people that would be strategic in, in helping us build um but we also um you know very much um were we're doing it so that we could have a, a real runway and roadmap or a real run, runway to execute against our roadmap for a, for a long period of time without people having to worry if we're going to be here or not. Nice. And, and um, as we kind of like wrap this up, we, it's getting closer toward the end, but um, did you want to um, give out more, any information? You know, like I said, you guys are mint tomorrow where the, where, where people can mint at, uh, what time, any closing statements? When? And uh, when whitelist for Melon? Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so whitelist is closed only for, logi- well, not only for, but uh, for more logistics things. Um, let me, man, Botic, is he in the room still? No, 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 no. don't let Melon get one. He has to be in the public with the rest of us. Uh, all right, well, well Botic's on the call. If he, if he wants to do any sort of a uh, whitelist, uh, giveaway. He'll he'll request and come up here. He'll let you know. But I know that we did close our whitelist, um, but we've got a couple tokens that we can like manually send out from a uh, like a treasure burner wallet. So, um, but we may be able to do that. I'll let him request and come up if if he wants to. Um, but he handles all that stuff. I don't want to add more to his plate than uh, than we've got. But I, but I will say just logistically. So tomorrow is the pre-sale mint. Uh, that will not be for anybody on this call unless you already have a whitelist A token, um, or if you want to go to the famous Fox uh, token exchange. Uh, there's a couple, there's less than 10 for sale, I think, um, for, I don't know exactly what it is, but, um, so you could actually go purchase a whitelist day token. That's a guaranteed mint token. So, um, we've only handed out enough of those that people can absolutely mint. Um, that will be tomorrow at 10 AM Pacific. Um, if you're not in on that, which is most people, um, we do have whitelist B tokens that will go towards our community sale where we'll be minting, uh, 3000 of our NFTs in the community sale. Um, that is oversubscribed. So we have handed out more whitelist B tokens than we have spots for that 3,000 available spots. Um, again, you could actually go purchase those on uh, the Famous Fox uh, Marketplace or Token Exchange if you wanted to. Um, so they're available that way if you really want to get those whitelists. Um, and then the public, mint, and so that's 10 a.m. on Thursday Pacific time. And then 1 p.m. Um, Thursday Pacific time is when the public mint starts. There'll be 1,500 more NFTs 
Um, and that will be pretty competitive. I know that we, we kind of limited some how much uh, how many whitelist B tokens people could get um, to three. Uh, we limited the total number if you had whitelist A and B to five. Um, there were a lot of people who wanted more than that, particularly game guilds and people who are really interested in the game part of this because there's a lot of value in those NFTs inside of the game. Like I mentioned, we're also building it as a really valuable project outside of the game for holders. So um, I think the public mint will be pretty um, uh, competitive. We'll see. We'll see who shows up uh, that entire time. But uh, that's how you'll get into the mint. It's 2.5 soul is the mint price. Um, and every mint comes with our paper hands bitch insurance, which is essentially what my mom likes to likes me to call it is the first ever risk free mint on Solana, which essentially means traditionally whoever's minting takes assumes all the risk and what we want to do is we want to shift that and so for the first 41 days after you mint we'll assume 100 of the risk which means if you don't see the value in our project if whether you're just a floor price watcher and the floor dropped below 2.5 or anything like that all you have to do is list it at the original mint price of 2.5 soul and we will buy that back from you and we will burn it so every 12 hours we'll be looking at every marketplace uh we'll be finding anything that's a 2.5 soul or below i don't know why you'd list it below since we're offering to buy it at 2.5 but anything that's 2.5 soul or below we'll be buying and burning every 12 hours for the first 41 days which means you've got 41 days for us to unlock that or unleash that uh, that roadmap of what we're going to build and start building and executing against that and so um it's uh like i said it's a risk-free mint so no reason you wouldn't go and, and, and get in there and then our game will be launching q3 of this year and so um probably about 60 to 90 days away from now is when we'll be um releasing our, our game where you'll be actually able to take that bee inside of Honeyland and start to use that to, to own tokens or to earn and own tokens and, and uh, NFTs inside of the game. But you'll always, as a Genesis holder, have access to our, our Genesis um, NFT community, which will be a, a separate community from the rest of our, our Honeyland community. So um, that's all the mint details. And uh, man, I, I really appreciate you guys having me up here and, and um, asking me such thoughtful questions. And um, it's really, really cool to chop it up with you guys. And, and um, I, I just appreciate the time and, and giving us the, the microphone for a little bit. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being flexible with my um, timing this morning. Oh, yeah, appreciate of that. course. It worked out better for me. So there you go. And <laughs> If, if I have one thing to add, and it's a suggestion, purely suggestion, but if you guys can get Jerry Seinfeld to the voice to be, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let me see. I told you we've got some special things on the roadmap. So, uh, no, I, I will tell you that what's not on the roadmap currently is Jerry Seinfeld doing any sort of a promo, but uh, we'll see. Who knows? Uh, that was People said it was a bad movie. I didn't mind the B movie. It was, it was pretty good. <laughs> I got to be honest. I did not. Uh, I have not seen it. I'm not a movie guy. I also haven't had a lot of extra time over the last five months. Uh, so movies uh, aren't really my thing. Actually, I did just go see Maverick, which is really, really good. Um, but for the most part, movies, not not my uh, the way that I'm spending the majority of my free time. So um, but I will. Uh, I, I've heard plenty of memes and jokes about the B movie. So I'm very aware of a B movie that involves Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, who knows? Maybe one of our community members will. Their uncle is Jerry Seinfeld, and all of a sudden they bring him in. And uh, that's the great thing about this Web3 space and this community is that it's like you're never too far away from anything that you really need to get done. And it's such a helpful, collaborative, um, you know, mindset heading into to Web3. We're kind of, you know, we're all going to make it. So um, I think it's really, really cool. So who knows? Hopefully if there's any if, if Jerry Seinfeld's nephew is out there, contact <laughs> us and, and uh, let us know. We'll make sure that you get a whitelist. <laughs> like Melon Apple is BFS of Shaq, you know, like there we go. <laughs> let me ask around and see yeah let me ask the big guy if uh, he knows jerry seinfeld i mean you, uh, do you have a connection to shackville 
Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm co-founders with him for Astros. Cool. Oh, are you really? You're on that project? Nice. Yeah. Uh, I was just talking to somebody yesterday who was talking about Astros, um, that they love the project. So cool stuff. Thank you very much. We are also building a game. So I look forward to potentially collaborating with you guys after you break Solana during your mint. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope and let's hope we don't. <laughs> yeah. May the gods of Solana be with you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Great. Thank you guys for your time. And thank you, everybody in the audience, for tuning in to another episode of Kyoba Genesis Trial by Fire. Today we had Honeyland, and they are minting tomorrow for the pre sale and Thursday for their public whitelist and public sale. And we have another episode tomorrow. We have um, Stacks Initiative at 10 a.m. in the morning, guys. As always, stay safe, friends. See you later. Cheers. Later, guys. Cheers, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Kaibu Genesis Trial by Fire. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please check out our socials down in the description. And as always, stay safe, friends. Stay safe, friends.